Two Man Advantage, the podcast, is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With GameTime, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in two taps? Get my taxes done. Two taps, taxes done, watch sports all day. But until then, I've got Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another episode of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. My friend Pierre Lebrun. I, Pierre, have you, do you still have suitcases in your hand? You've just returned from the Board of Governors. I, are they in your hand or do you set them by the door before you hooked up with, uh, with Jeff, our producer, and, and myself? And I'm going to interject, and our special guest Katie Strang, who will chat momentarily. But do you still have your bags in your hand? Not in my hand, but uh, my suitcase is open on the couch in my home office. Not unpacked yet, but I wanted to make sure the two bottles of wine I brought back from California were not broken. And they're not. So, mission accomplished. Very good. And as mentioned, Katie Strain. Katie, I, you know what I have attached to my uh, computer and the recording equipment? I ha- It's called a smart meter. And the fact that you have joined this podcast has sent the smart meter off into the red. I, I and I made that part up, but it is a true pleasure to have you join us today. Thanks for coming to hang out with well, us. Well, thanks. I hope I don't disappoint. My brain power is um, in low reserves. I've slept a ton. I've got a eating baby and a puking toddler. So you can imagine where I'm at right now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, that is that's hard news, and in fact, I'd rather talk more about uh, Pierre's wine selection and what he brought back. But I, I do, I feel badly for you, Katie. But th- you know what? I mean, this is it. it I, sw- I swear, since we've uh, started the season and resurrected Two Man Advantage, I, Pierre, there isn't a week that goes by that we aren't dealing with and deconstructing and 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 uh, peeling back the layers on some new really pivotal moment in the game and and this week is no different um let's set the stage a little bit you're just back from the board of governors meetings in california lovely pebble beach area of california and it was there that commissioner gary bettman um i know we're not supposed to call it uh, a code of conduct but I, I think a lot of people sort of imagine that's sort of what it is but really uh, a very defined series of steps that the NHL is going to undertake to um, make sure that coaches and NHL staff uh, behave properly, that, uh, that, they, well, that they, there is an avenue for players to report uh, potential abuse, uh, some anonymity to be able to do that. There's a, a set pathway for how teams are to respond. Um, but I guess... I'm curious what your takeaway from from Gary Bettman's 
um, unveiling uh, of this three or four point plan. What was your takeaway from it? Were you surprised by it? And, and why do you think it's important? Well, I've covered that December Board of Governors meeting uh, almost every single year since uh, the early 2000s. And this was one like none other for obvious reasons. And uh, it was a lot to take in. Uh, an important couple of days still, I think, to be determined how impactful. Um, you know, as I wrote on Monday night, it sounds good. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot to digest there, but the league has to deliver now. And I don't know that we can, you know, comment on the veracity of, of all these things and, until you see it in action. And that so that's my initial response. I will tell you that, you know, there's still... George McPhee said it best in the, in the preview article I wrote over the weekend. He was one of the few people, by the way, that were willing to go on the record this week. And he said, you know, it's just that people are scared to say the, the wrong thing. And and I think that rings really true that a lot of these guys who mean well and want to be part of the solution and want this to, to, to go well are, it, this is not, you know, they're, they're not really trained for this, a lot of them. And, and I think, it, it, you know, you, you really saw it this week because very few governors were willing to come out and talk to us. Um, that's why I give Brendan Shanahan a lot of credit. I mean, he stood in there yesterday after it was over and I thought spoke really eloquently about, you know, these issues and, and as leaders of teams, the responsibility they have to uh, make sure moving forward that, that they're on this. And, um, you know, I think he, he did a good job, but uh, this is, you could see it in the faces of a lot of these hockey guys. This is, these last couple of weeks have been like uh, a time like they've not had ever before in their careers. Yeah. Uh, Katie, and, and I, I don't want you to blush, but I'm not sure there's a journalist in North America who is better positioned to to, to sort of examine what the NHL is, is trying to, to do here and how they hope to move forward, given your experience covering uh, things like the Nasser trial and and how various institutions and organizations have tried you know tried to come to grips with sexual predators and abuse and and all kinds of, of things along this spectrum. Um, when you see what the NHL is trying to do and you listen to what Gary Bettman has said in California and the demands he's placed on teams moving forward and hopefully and the promise I think he's made to players to to make the workplace safer and to help uh, root out the, the kinds of abuses and uh, and things that we've we've seen described in recent weeks what, what's what's your takeaway from that yeah I think there are multiple different prisms that you can assess this situation unfolding right now through and I think one of them, if you're an optimist, you say, hey, the NHL is getting out in front of this instead of just issuing an empty statement, you know, condemning, you know, the events that have transpired over the last month. They are actually providing actionable items and a plan to deal with, address and eradicate these things from the game and prevent them from happening again. I think a skeptic um, would have some very critical questions and doubts about the efficacy of at least some elements of this plan, as well as 
the league's ability to execute them. And if you had to ask me where I fall on this, um, I do think it's good that the league is trying to address it um, in, in a way that is forward thinking. But I have some very serious doubts about their ability to implement this plan effectively. Just before Pierre jumps back in, what elements of it are you skeptical about? Like what parts of it do you think are going to be difficult for the league to implement? And, you know, for me, uh, you know, not to interject my my own opinions on top of yours, but to me, the, this this whole thing for it to work has to be completely transparent. And, you know, maybe we're edging that way. But to me, the, the proof will be when things happen are the uh, are the teams that are involved in the league itself are are they transparent about about things that have happened and how they're responding to them but i'm curious about where where your skepticism lies well i think you're exactly right about you know the need for transparency and accountability and that intersects with some of the questions that i have and if if i'm looking at this plan and kind of dissecting it point by point i think the one that not troubles me but perhaps prompts the most questions is this anonymous hotline that allows for whistleblowers to call in with tips um, of abuse or misconduct. Um, so some questions that I have about this. Number one, I'm not positive I see players feeling comfortable even weighing in anonymously because you know even if you have the plausible deniability of calling in anonymously, if there is you know, an egregious incident that takes place in a team setting, I think it's pretty, it's going to be pretty clear to a coach or a manager or, you know, a teammate who is likely, you know, reporting that incident. And so I don't know if I see that being an effective method of reporting. Um, The other questions that it prompts for me is, how long, you know, how, how open are they being about this? How, how long are they going to be, you know, do they consider any statute of limitations? Are they going to let someone call in with a complaint from the mid-90s? Are they going to accept, you know, tips on people that maybe weren't coaches or players, but, you know, team employees? What happens if, you know, this situation has been addressed with, a team employing a non-disclosure agreement or a confidentiality agreement or an out-of-court financial settlement? Um, Do they have methods to refer this to criminal prosecution if it requires that? Um, And and lastly, and I understand people will probably think this is very cynical and skeptical, but you you have a league and power brokers within the league setting these rules and protocol and standards, but what happens if a tip of misconduct um, ensnares the league in some way or inaction by the league is an issue when it comes to one of these situations. My understanding is investigations are done by a third party entity, but who is paying for these investigations? And if the answer is that the league is paying for that, these investigations, then I really doubt the true nature of these investigations independence. Same goes for if, if it involves an owner of a team or a governor of a team. I just don't know 
if someone will trust that that situation will be handled well or if that there will be that natural tendency to revert to institutional protectionism? Yeah, those are all great, great questions. And um, I don't know that we can answer them right now. That's that that's what's difficult. And I will say, you know, as I wrote on Monday night, that it was interesting that one of the governors uh, who requested anonymity, who is, you know, questioned Gary Bettman uh, many times over the years um, about other things. And he said to me that going into the meeting that he, he didn't think this thing would have much teeth. And when he came out of it, he said he was quite impressed with it. So again, I, to me, it, it sounds promising. And, and to Katie's points, all her questions are so bang on there. The, we, we still need to, to need to know so much more to understand how this is going to work. I will say this. Um, I pointed this out in my last piece uh, at the bottom of it. And I, you know, at some point, uh, you, you know, Kim Davis is someone that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to need to write about more because she was so impressive uh, in our media session uh, yesterday. And she's going to be, I mean, she already is, but so instrumental in all of this and whether or not it succeeds, I think, uh, Katie and Scott, um, you know, she's uh, one of the highest ranked African um, American women in pro leagues and pro sports. Um, she has a, a background on Wall Street, um, you know, and to hear her talk about the issues at hand and how to separate some of them because there's a lot of layers here right i mean um you know you're talking about racism you're uh, you could be talking about uh you know homophobic slurs you could be talking about violence um and then you could be talking about the gray areas where it's just yelling but are you embarrassing like there's so many different things and you need to separate them to make sense of them as far as the, the different levels of abuse. And I got to tell you, I wish you guys were in the room listening to Kim Davis because she was unbelievable talking about this. And if I can just piggyback off of what Pierre just said, having talked to Kim before, um, she she is to me, um, you know, I think an example of the NHL bringing someone in who can really, really help um, this sort of cultural reckoning that, you know, the league is having um, in, in terms of some of the more insidious facets of, of, of hockey culture. And, and I think she's been working doggedly on, on some of these, you know, already for quite some time. And I think two components where I think Kim is really, really great in, in our conversation she has stressed with me is she's really big in terms of recognizing the importance of language and how that shapes um, culture within a sport and also um, the importance of education. And so I think we've already seen some of, you know, Kim's impact in the way that she has um, stressed those components and also, you know, made, um, you know, weighed in on, on very critical hires throughout hockey. From my understanding, she was instrumental in um, getting Stephanie Jackson hired at USA Hockey, who has been you know, tremendous for them in, in leading up in inclusion efforts and diversity efforts in trying to educate people at the lower levels um, on up through USA Hockey. And so I think the more Kim Davis is involved, the better we are all served um, as a hockey community. And to me, I, I totally agree with Pierre that she's a rock star and someone that we're going to be hearing a lot more about. 
Yeah, just if I can add uh, my own thoughts on this, I I know that uh, the NHL was not, they were not interested in commenting for the record when John Van Beesbrook was um, hired to to his current post with USA Hockey, which was you know certainly created some uh, a lot of questions and some controversy given John Van Beesbrook's history with uh, racial comments when he was the uh, part owner and GM of the um, OHL team in uh, in Sault Ste. Marie. But I do know that the league, uh, with Kim Davis at the the forefront, uh, was very much involved in how things fell after that hiring was was made. And and again, whether it's you know whether it's out in front of the cameras or not, it my sense is Kim Davis would probably be much happier to be be you know sort of away from the spotlight. But my understanding was she was very important in, in discussions with USA Hockey, and given the important relationship between the NHL and and, and those hockey bodies, so Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, I do know that people who were uh, aware of it were very impressed with how she dealt with it uh, in very straightforward manner. So I, I I couldn't agree more, Katie and, and Pierre. I think you're absolutely right. These are important. You know, these are important days for the NHL, and it's important to have the right people in place. Um, not just to get your message out, but to make sure that that, that things are done the right way and that uh, that people follow the rules that are, are being put in place and the guidelines that the league is hoping to establish. It's the, These are critical times. So, and, and, you know, as an aside, although I think it's very much important that it's also another layer to this conversation, if we can get away from the abuse angle for a moment, one of the things I asked Kim Davis uh, yesterday was, uh, you know, because obviously diversity and inclusion is such a big part of what, um, you know, she's focused on at the NHL. You know, one of my concerns with the sport of hockey at the grassroots level is that it continues to be more and more expensive for kids to play, especially at the elite level um, in both the U.S. and Canada. I mean, you got AAA kids in the States having to jump on a plane if they're a AAA player in certain markets every weekend. And the budgets are crazy, but it's expensive in Canada as well. And, um, you, you know, and one of the things I asked Kim Davis is that, you know, with the escalating costs of uh, players in elite hockey, uh, I, I think it, it it obviously cuts off. Uh, some people just can't afford it, right? And, and so it becomes this, the danger of becoming sort of an elitist sport. And I know that, the, you know, listen, the league has looked at different programs, uh, you know, grassroots rise on this, but it's really also incumbent on USA Hockey and Hockey Canada. But again, she, she had a, a pretty good answer about some things that she's looking at, and she absolutely agrees that, that that's something that's, again, uh, something to monitor going forward as far as the, you know, the in terms of diversity and inclusion of the sport when, when there is only certain, uh, you know, certain segments of society, perhaps that can afford to have their kids at a certain elite level. Yeah. Uh, Katie, just, uh, we're going to take a brief break, but I don't want you to go away because uh, I want to touch on what has gone on in the last uh, 48 hours in Dallas with the Dallas Stars. Uh, and then we will let you get back to your teething baby and vomiting toddler. But if you will give us just a brief break, and we'll come back with the second part of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office. 
why not treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash? DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code ADVANTAGE. Don't forget, that's promo code ADVANTAGE for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. All right, as promised, uh, we're back with Katie Strang and, of course, Pierre Lebrun, his suitcase and unbroken bottles of wine nearby, close at hand. Um, Pierre, I want to start with you briefly as we try and unpack what has happened with the Dallas Stars, a franchise no stranger to uh, turmoil and uh, no question that the firing of Jim Montgomery came out of the blue. And I think... It's important because a lot of people <clears throat> would instantly connect it with what we were talking about in the first segment of Two Man Advantage, uh, which is the NHL's response to uh, issues of abuse and racism, uh, going back to uh, Kim Aliu and his um, uh, revealing what happened to him when he was part of the Blackhawks organization, all of that. But the Dallas Stars and the firing of Jim Montgomery, a completely separate matter, right? Doesn't fall under the umbrella of what the league is is trying to get their arms around here, uh, even though many people would have just assumed the timing linked the two. But we are talking about two separate incidents, uh, although at the end of the day, the Dallas Stars did make a move based on Jim Montgomery's personal behavior and uh, ended up relieving him of duties as the head coach of the Dallas Stars really a year and a half into his tenure there. Yeah, Um and, you know, because of the timing of this happening the next morning after the NHL announced, uh, you know, it's a four-point plan the night before, everyone, obviously, in social media immediately made the connection. But, in fact, it's not connected and just one of those weird things. And, um, you know, it's, it's not about abuse or, or something with players. It's, it's, it's something personal and unprofessional conduct. Um, and everyone with the Stars organization and the National Hockey League, I can tell you, both on and off the record, being extremely tight-lipped about what this was about, other than the fact that I can tell you that the league, I think, knew uh, Sunday night about this. And um, which is why when Gary Bettman was asked Monday night uh, at this news conference announcing all these measures, whether there was something else that we should be aware about coming down the pipe, uh, you know, potentially with another coach, he said no. And he stood by that the next day after the news of Jim Montgomery's firing came out because he said it's not connected to what, you know, we were talking about. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, he, even if it's not about what we've been talking about here the, the last couple of weeks, it's still at the end of the day feeds into what's going on right here as far as, you know, uh, you know, coaches being under fire, and um, and certainly the the necessity. And again, I don't know a hundred percent what transpired here with Jim Montgomery, but on a more global scale, the the necessity for teams moving forward to you know to bring their vetting process to a whole other level. I, I think that goes without saying. 
Katie, I'm curious what you made of uh, how this all unfolded with the stars and the fact that, as Pierre alluded to, there were a lot of descriptions made by GM Jim Neal about what this did not involve, uh, but nothing specifically about what it did involve. And I wonder, does it matter? I mean, I think there's, you know, people are titillated by the notion of, well, what, what kind of behavior was it that led to the team making such a dramatic move i'm i'm told talking to someone who who would know this that the team was left no choice in in making this move do you think it matters or i'm just curious about how you felt this all unfolded especially given the backdrop of what we've been talking about and the 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 days of reckoning um that the nhl and and hockey as a game uh, are in the midst of when you go back over what's happened over the last two or three months? Well, if you're asking if I think it matters, you know, my answer is yes, and here's why. Um, not, not from a purely voyeuristic or, you know, trying to feed this insatiable need for salacious details, but I think what we've been getting at with this entire podcast is, you know, in, in, in discussing this NHL code of conduct is, you know, everyone's trying to reconcile the behaviors that are and are not, that are and are no longer acceptable, right? That are, that, that we will allow and that we will not allow and where there are hard lines and zero tolerance, where there's a spectrum of some, you know, contextual factors and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think this is going to be probably a months-long, perhaps year-long process of really kind of seeing how social mores and evolving attitudes on certain things shake out. And so to see Jim Nell come out that emphatically um, about unprofessional conduct, I think really sent a message. And again, as you referenced, by saying all the things that it wasn't, I think that naturally leads people to wonder what it was. And, you know, anytime there's a dearth of details, I think that generally catapults like the frenzy of trying to find out what happened into overdrive. And as a result, I've heard probably a handful of different theories, some of which seem plausible and some of which seem outlandish, none of which I've been able to substantiate or corroborate to any degree. Um, But I think in the end it is important because I think, you know, all of us as sort of consumers of the NHL need to have a very clear understanding of what conduct is acceptable and what's not. I think players need to understand that. And I think coaches really want to understand that too. Um, and certainly teams need to, and Pierre made a great point. Like, I think the new cottage industry in the National Hockey League, and if other leagues are paying attention, is, you know, going to be those consulting firms that, um, you know, are those third-party investigators that heavily, heavily vet any coaching, management, or executive candidate um, that comes through the NHL from this point forward. That's a a fascinating point, and Pierre, I'm curious about your take on this just before we bring this section of two-man advantage to a close and let Katie get back to her life but and you've written uh, in the past about the NHL Coaches Association 
um, some of the work that they've done in uh, behind the scenes with things like immigration and health benefits and all those kinds of things. But I, I think Katie's point's an excellent one. Uh, as a as a coach anywhere in the NHL, don't you want to know where the lines are everywhere? And clearly, the line was drawn in Dallas, and Jim Montgomery was on the wrong side of it. And at some point, is it important? For coaches to know what happened there or which what's your what's your take on that and i know it must have been a, a hot topic in in california with the nhl um power brokers who were gathered there yeah so uh, it, it's interesting a lot of people didn't know there was such a thing as nhl coaches association before recently and and there certainly is um it's been around for a long time and it's it's an important body uh, a, a lot of it is you know it's not just for head coaches it's for coaches at all kinds of different levels assistant coaches minor league coaches the ceo is michael hirschfeld uh, if you want the don fear of the coaches association and and he's been working very closely with uh, the nhl throughout since all of this began you know dating back to to bill peters and akeem Elliu. Um, because the coaches association doesn't want to put its head in the sand here and, and, and just sort of play defense. They want to be part of uh, the solution, which they've repeated many times to the league. And so I, I know that the plan was once uh, the NHL and everyone was back in their offices this week, that once again, there'd be more dialogue between the NHL and the NHL coaches uh, association about what's next. Uh, and of course, they, that's a must, given that we now know that all these coaches and, and GMs and other team personnel are going to have to undergo uh, a training and education program every year and, and so on. But it goes beyond that. I, I mean, I think the dialogue right now between the, the Coaches Association and the NHL is, is going to have to be credibly transparent and constant, um, uh, I, I think, for the coaches to to get, you know, the message, but also the best possible advice as possible to, you know, to, as they continue to go through this, because we're not done, as Katie said, I mean, there, you know, I don't know of anything else popping up, but I'm just telling you that, especially my guess is in junior hockey, that we're going to hear more stories. And so, um, this is, I think, really important right now for that body to continue to, to work alongside the NHL. And as the one thing you know from Gary Bettman is, transparency as opposed to secrets is the way to go with him as far as his leniency and the way he's going to react to certain situations. Katie, this has been tremendous. Thank you for hanging out with us. And look, I, I'm looking at my smart meter. We're still in the red. You've done an ad. You've done an amazing job. Well, thank you for saving me from cleaning up vomit for at least an extra half hour. <laughs> it's the least I can do. And uh, hopefully you can join Pierre and I again before the season uh, comes to a close. But uh, thanks for hanging out. It's always a treat. And we must get together in person and uh, share some pepperoni bowls. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Me too. Thanks, Katie. See you, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Yep. Pierre, it's always great to have Katie on. Hey, and I was I was kidding about the smart meter. There is no such thing that's attached to my computer. But uh, and I didn't want to embarrass her by lauding her further when we were on uh, um, taping. But no one works harder than Katie, and no one has, you know, no one has is as fearless and has the just the professional chops to go in the places that Katie's gone in the last couple of years. And and I know that her 
I, people have such great respect for her and the work that she puts in and, and a lot of it is hard, hard work. And I know that just some of the stuff that she's working on even now, um, she's relentless and, uh, it's, uh, she's an inspiration. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I feel like we need five of her now, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, you know, really her and, and request had at my other place at TSN have tackled the kind of stories dating back to concussions and, and, you know, a lot of the stories that people that, you know, I think a lot of us as sports writers, you know, you can't, some of these stories require the kind of attention where you got to drop everything and stop what else you were supposed to be covering basically. Right. And, and, and I, I just think she's done such a terrific job at it. And, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, more to come, I would say. True. All right. Just before we go, um, every week we like to shine a light on a different podcast that, uh, in part of the athletic podcast universe and so uh, we didn't get around to chatting maybe we'll chat in our uh, next uh, brief segment about the Bruins but if not we will certainly down the road because the Bruins remain one of the top two or three teams I think in the NHL and have one of the most exciting players in, in David Pasternak what a what a treat he is to watch but you should be listening into the perfection pod with Billy Jaffe there's a good Atlanta Thrashers connection there and our old pal Joey Mack and Pluto Shinzawa, who we spent some time with during the final, had some uh, dinners and uh, uh, with uh, along the way. So give that a listen, the Perfection Pod with Billy Jaffe, Joey McDonald, and Pluto Shinzawa. And we would encourage you to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you just click on the show's URL, which is theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you will get 40% off your subscription. And who doesn't want to hear the full the full Monty when it comes to the Two Man Advantage podcast? And you can always hear the full width and breadth of what you and I talk about if you subscribe to The Athletic. And in this case, when you and I come back, we're going to talk a little World Cup of Hockey, maybe what takes the place of it, maybe a little Olympics, and uh, you don't want to miss out on that. So subscribe to The Athletic, and you can hear Pierre and I right to the bitter end. But thank you, Pierre. Always good to chat and catch up with you. Right on, right on, my friend. At some point, we we'll might even talk hockey. <laughs> True that. Thank you.